passage tonight is from Proverbs 16, and then verses 1 to 4, and then verse 9 as well. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The work the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Good evening, everyone. Um, great to be here. Good to see you all. Um, <clears throat> thank you, John, for reading from God's Word. I, I wonder, do you enjoy making decisions. Um, some of us find it um, easier than others to make decisions. I have three kids. They are eight, five, and two. Uh, the two-year-old hasn't had too many decisions to make yet in life, while the eight-year-old and five-year-old um, have made lots of decisions in their life. We normally um, holiday in Port Stewart at half-terms and Easter and summer. And the most important time in those um, holidays for Patrick and Lydia, the older two, is a trip to Sheila's to spend money they've been given by their grandparents. Do everybody know what Sheila's is? It's a shop in Port Stewart. If you don't know, it's the smallest shop in the world um, filled with the most trashy toys in the world that you have ever seen. And this trip to Sheila's... Um, involves very important decision-making. Which of these trashy toys are they going to purchase with the good, hard-earned money um, that their grandparents have given them? And Patrick and Lydia deal with this very differently. Patrick will lose sleep for about a week before, thinking how he will spend his money perhaps thinking of seeing things that he has seen in a previous trip to Sheila's. And when we arrive in Port Stewart, Patrick will not rest until we have got to Sheila's. And so often we go to Sheila's before the car is even unpacked. And when he finally gets into the shop then, the dilemma begins, what will he buy? Will it be toys? Will it be jokes? Will it be a fake poo? If it is a toy, Will it be a soft toy or a plastic toy? If it's a so soft toy, normally a TY, but will he spend all his money on a bigger one or will he buy a smaller one and then have some money left over? Will he pick it depending on color or character? What about sweets? Will he go for chocolate or you know the sweets that come in the jars and the way they might? Will it be those? And if you go for the jars, will he get one kind or will he mix them? Well, I won't go on. But decision making for Patrick is a huge challenge and when he finally does decide and we come out and get in the car again then he'll chat over um, in, in quite explicit detail what he maybe should have bought instead but Lydia is such a different story she seems to be able to just walk into the shop have a look around pick something buy it and leave and that's all there is to it I don't know if you identify more with Patrick or Lydia. But decision making is something 
that we all do really every day of our lives. Some decisions are no-brainers. They're quick and easy for us to make. Some decisions are really just preference. And many of us will have different preferences about different things. And some decisions are plain old common sense. Maybe it takes a bit of thought, but it's not too tricky to work out what the right thing to do is. But there are other decisions then that simply tie us in knots. They melt our heads, they fry our brains. No matter how much we weigh up the pros and the cons, we just can't make a decision. And that can be really difficult. And you know, the book of Proverbs is a really good book to study when thinking about decisions. Because the primary audience in the book of Proverbs is, is youth, guys similar to your age. And it's meant really to help them navigate through life and to make wise decisions. So I want to read those few verses again from Proverbs. So let's read those together. If you have a Bible, please do um, look along with me. Proverbs 16, 1 to 4, and then verse 9. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. In those verses, we see a contrast. And it's a contrast between what man, what people does, and then what the Lord does. Verse 1, the plans of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You see the the, the word but there. Verse 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but... The Lord weighs the spirit. And then verse 9, the heart of the man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes or directs his steps. So you see there that man, people are doing something, but God is also doing something. Man, people are, are planning and making decisions, But the Lord is in control of all of this. And the writer here wants us to have great confidence in what God is doing. And that's really where I want us to take confidence and encouragement um, this evening as we think about decision making. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take each verse um, that we read and give an example from Scripture 
um, how he called Balaam to bring a curse on God's people. But God said, Balaam, you can't do that. You can't curse my people because they are blessed. And it's worth reading. It's a really interesting passage of scripture. There's even a talking donkey in there. But this prophet Balaam, he comes to Balak the king. Four times he is asked to curse God's people. Four times he opens his mouth to do just that, to curse God's people. But four times he brings blessing on God's people. You see? Balaam's plan was to curse God's people, but he opened his mouth and he brought blessing on God's people. Why was this? Well, the answer is in our Proverbs 16.1. Because the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, man can plan what he's going to say, but the Lord is in control, bringing about his purpose, and he can change the very words that man has planned to say. Now, I do want to give you another example from, for verse 1, and it's just to show that, that this principle is wider than just the words we say. And this time we go to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. And in Ezra 1, God's people were in exile. In other words, they had been taken from the land that God had given them. And they were forced to live in another land. And at this time, the land they were living in, the king was called Cyrus. Cyrus did not follow God. In fact, he followed many gods. He was a pagan. And we read at the very start of that book that in the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And the proclamation was that God's people were free to return to the land that God had given them. Unknown to Cyrus, the Lord stirred his heart, that is, the Lord moved him to allow the people of God to return to Jerusalem to fulfill God's own plan and purpose. You see, even in the life of this pagan, this unbeliever, God is in control working in his thoughts, in his words, in his actions to bring his own good purpose. That's verse one. Let's think of verse two. Verse two, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The example I want to use for this may be a little better known by some. It's from 1 Samuel 16. And here, God has sent the prophet Samuel to pick a new king for Israel, God's people. 
and God sends him to the house of Jesse. Now, Jesse had eight sons, and he brought out his eldest son first. His eldest son was tall and strong, and Samuel presumed that this would be the king of Israel. But God said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance and don't look on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. And then God says, I see the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So Jesse brought all his sons out and he brought them all out apart from his youngest. And these first seven sons, none of them were to be the king. So then Samuel asked to see the youngest son, the most unlikely to be king. And in fact, this was the man that God had chosen to be king over his people. His name was David. You see, Samuel thought that, that he knew right. He thought he was reading the situation right, but he wasn't. I mean, the, the other brothers looked good from the outside, but the Lord alone was able to see their hearts. He alone was, was able to know the, their motives and, and intentions, and, and that's really what the Lord is concerned about. As people, we, we can often think our desires and intentions are right, but often they're not. And the Lord alone knows the true intentions of our hearts. Okay, then verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established, or your plans will succeed. This time we want to move to the New Testament and Acts chapter 4. Now here Peter and John had been arrested for teaching people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were brought before a council or a court and they were told not to speak about Jesus anymore. But Peter and John answered them, this will be established. Okay, the next verse, verse 4, Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of destruction. And here the idea is God judging those who are evil, or those who reject him. And Paul speaks about this same thing and uses very similar language in Romans 9. And there he speaks about how God desires to show his, his wrath and to make known his, his power in doing this, to make known his glory. So what Proverbs 16.4 is saying is that even those who reject God... God is still in control of their lives. God will fulfill his purpose through their lives. 
And, and the really sobering thing, actually, is that his ultimate purpose in their lives will be to bring judgment upon them. And as he does that, he will prove that he is holy and righteous, and he will bring glory to his name in doing that. You see, God's purpose will be done. See, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Okay, the final verse then in, in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs or establishes his steps. Now, this verse really sums up everything um, that the other verses have been saying. You see, man, people may make plans in their life, but the Lord is in control of all of this and will bring about his own purpose. Now, the example I want to use for this verse is the death of Jesus Christ. Because there were many men planning and scheming to put Jesus Christ to death. From very early on in his ministry, they were trying to trip him up, trying to find something for which they could accuse him of. But they couldn't. But regardless... They, they got Jesus on trial for blasphemy, even though he was the son of God. Jesus was tried in the courts unfairly. He was sentenced to death wrongly. He was mocked. He was spat at. He was brutally killed by men who hated him, who planned his death and saw it right through to the end. But, here's the contrast that we're seeing in the Proverbs. The Lord was in control, bringing about his purpose. You see, little did these evil men know that actually the Lord was in control of their decisions. The Lord was in control of their plans and actions, bringing about his good purpose. Working for the good of his people, punishing his perfect son in the place of imperfect sinners like you and me. And as Jesus was put to death by the plans of evil men, God is making it possible for us to be forgiven our sins and brought into a forever relationship with him. You see, to know Jesus is to know that we can plan many things, but the Lord will always bring about his good purpose in our lives. And the great thing is that once we do know Jesus, God's purpose that he will bring about is actually to make us more like Jesus Christ. 
So that's the verses from Proverbs. Two very simple points of application as we close this evening. Make plans and trust God. Okay, make plans and trust God. So firstly, make plans, okay? These words from Proverbs this evening, they're not teaching us that we shouldn't plan and organize and prepare. I love organizing. I love getting dates in the diary. I love planning details of events. I love ticking things off in my mind. I love ticking things off on a page. It's good to make plans. But as you think about planning and decision making, perhaps some of those bigger things, perhaps picking subjects or choosing courses after school or where you will live and so on. Certainly, take time, weigh these things up. What are the pros? What are the cons? What are my desires? What are my skills? What are my intentions? When I left school, I enjoyed music, Um, It was probably my best subjects. I wanted to stay around home, so that led me to study music in Belfast. You're just thinking through. Think through these things. Make a decision and plan towards that. Okay? But, here's the contrast that's coming out in the Proverbs. So make your plans, but trust the Lord. Remember, He is in control and he will bring about his own purpose. Now what does that mean to your plans? Well it means your plans may or they may not happen. Okay? You may not get the grades, you may not get the offer, there may be a situation in your family that prevents your plans from being fulfilled at the time you wanted them to. But you know if that happens that's okay. Don't, don't panic. See, we wrong decisions. Because as we said, God's work in our lives is to transform us to be increasingly more like Jesus Christ. And the good thing is that that work can be done in our lives, whether we go here or there, Whether our plans work out the way we thought or they don't. Whether we feel fulfilled and satisfied or whether we feel empty and disappointed. God's work will still be done in our lives. So as you go, just simply remember that contrast. Go, make plans, make decisions, but... Remember, God is in control. God is working for his purpose. And look to Jesus. Take rest. Take comfort. God's ways are good. And you can trust him. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're God alone. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you're working all things for your own good 
purposes. And we thank you that this promise brings us such peace, um, such humility, and, and yet such joy. We thank you that, that you are um, vitally engaged in, in determining and directing every one of our steps. We thank you that you're working everything um, to your own purpose. We thank you that you're working for your glory and for our good. We thank you, God, that, that you alone can open doors that no man can shut. And we thank you too, God, that you will shut doors that no man can open. God, you're the Lord of all. You're the Lord of all things. And that includes us. It includes each individual here this evening. May we know that. And may we look to Jesus Christ, take rest, take comfort, and in your good and gracious and sovereign purposes, we pray in his name. Amen.